Good morning. It's good to be back. I've been gone quite a bit preaching other places. I want to thank our elders for allowing me to do so. But it's good to be back home with family. It's good to be here this morning. And if you're visiting with us, we just want you to know we're so happy you're here. Uh, we're thankful you picked to be here this morning out of everywhere you could be. And we want you to know that we love you, we care about you, and we'd do anything for you. So if you have a need, please let us know. But we're glad you're here. Uh, this morning, what I've learned is apparently today was a good day to get married. Um, 47 years for the Caps, 33 years for the Shires, and 12 years for Rachel and Paul Mazzalongo, all today. So if you work by booking weddings or doing wedding venues, today, apparently throughout time, is a good day. But that's such a great accomplishment, and it's cool to see that in our family, great, strong marriages. Hey, this morning, as we talk about our lesson, I wanted to start by talking about Nigerian princes. Uh, I know that's exactly what you thought I would say, Nigerian princes. Uh, not, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but there's somewhat of a meme on the internet about not the Nigerian prince email scam. Okay, this has been going on in the digital age for many, many years, uh, where somebody will send you an email uh, claiming to be royalty from Africa, or in many cases from Nigeria, and they claim to be one who is royal and as such very wealthy, but they have a problem. Their account has been frozen. And so they're asking you, this stranger, to please send them a, an amount of money somewhere like in this email of 3,500 US dollars. And if you would send them that to unfreeze their account, they will repay the kindness of your heart by sending you a million dollars because they are royalty. Sounds legit, doesn't it? Now, we laugh. This has been going on for a very long time. It actually has roots in a scam before the digital age, too. But it's been going on for such a long time that it's not as prevalent in its success anymore. It's a meme, as we say it today on the Internet. Uh, but even in 2019, this cost Americans $700,000. You, you sit there and you go, like, why would someone uh, do this? Do they, are they that gullible or just caring? Uh, or maybe more likely, do they want to get rich that quick, that bad, that they would want to follow this scam? But you can imagine as you go through this and you talk to whatever the name of this prince was and you send this money and find out later that your bank cannot pay you back, that there is no million dollars coming into your account, you might have the thought of, what in the world did I sign up for? Or maybe that's not what I signed up for. Scams cost people uh, just under $9 billion last year. $9 billion, like these and many others. But you might think, what in the world did I sign up for? Uh, this morning, I want to talk about following Jesus. And today, I think there's plenty of people, as it's always been, who decide to follow Jesus. And later, they ask themselves, what did I sign up for? Or maybe worse, later they say, or worse, they would say, this is not what I signed up for. They choose to walk down this path with Jesus and later they go, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I believe that happens when we don't take the time to count the cost of following Jesus or when we don't take the time to communicate to people that there is a cost for following Jesus. This morning, all over the nation, in church buildings, there is the story of Jesus being shared. And that's, that's fantastic news. That's a good thing. A great story of a holy God who becomes 
flesh, who comes to earth as a man, humbling himself. A story of one who would live a perfect life and die. One who would bleed and die upon a tree, upon a cross, to save me, to save you, a sinner from our sin. It's a story of love and mercy and forgiveness. It's a story where God saves us from darkness. He transfers us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His beloved Son. And that's the message that is likely being preached in microphones this morning, live streamed on Facebook and YouTube and anywhere else you can find a sermon across the street, everywhere in this world. That's the story being preached this morning. And while we rightly so talk about the debt that's that Jesus paid on the cross, I wonder how many will mention that there is a cost. That there is a cost of following Jesus. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, Jesus paid the wages of our sin so that we could have the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, but that doesn't mean it doesn't cost us anything. Just because Jesus paid a debt we could not owe and he offers it to us freely does not mean following Jesus doesn't cost at all. It's hard sometimes. We don't get all the time in the world to share with people all of the message of Jesus that we want to, right? I recognize this morning there are some people in here who need to hear the gospel that I get 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how long you think my sermon should be, to tell you this message. But there's going to be more questions. There might be more things you need to know. In fact, I would say there's plenty more to the message you need to know. But I might only have one shot. And so what we might do is we'll tell you the wonderful story of God who became flesh and who saves us from our sin. How he has died for us. But I wonder sometimes in our attempts to win Jesus because of time's sake or because we want people to come to Jesus... That we leave out the cost aspect to make the message of Jesus more palatable or appealing. As if the story of God needs us to change it to become more appealing. Let's give them the easy pill to swallow. And not maybe some of the harder things they're going to have to chew on or think about or consider before they follow. And it might be that this is why some people choose to follow Jesus and then eventually say, This is not what I signed up for. Not necessarily a scam, like the Nigerian prince scam, but they would say, I didn't really realize what I was signing up for. I thought I was going to get a lot out of this, but I didn't recognize that I have to give. A basic truth this morning is that following Jesus costs. It absolutely costs. If our life following Jesus doesn't cost us anything, it's not going to get us anything. We need to understand that. If, if following Jesus doesn't cost us anything, it's really not going to give us anything. Because true discipleship, true following Jesus will cost us in different ways to some degree. And this morning, I simply want to share with you a passage in which we see this truth and some of what it costs us to follow Jesus Now I believe, and I would assume many of you agree, that the cost is worth the reward. That what we get is far worth and far greater than what we give. But we need to understand that there is something we have to give. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8.
looking at verse 14, as we look there, what we find is Jesus was healing many people who were brought to him. Uh, he, enter, he enters Peter's house. He sees his mother-in-law has a fever. He, he would heal her. And that evening, people are being brought to Jesus. And it says that there were people oppressed by demons. He cast them out. There are people who are sick, and he would heal them. This fulfills the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And I think what's interesting is right after this, you find a crowd of people who surround Jesus. And I think there's a parallel today. We, we share to people what Jesus can do. His great ability, what he's done for us, what he can do for us. People see it. They see change in people's life. They see how they've been freed, how it's changed their behavior completely. They see the great work that happens in Christ and they think, I want that. I want that, that eternity. I want uh, that forgiveness. I want that love. I want to see the change in my life. Just like these people who, I want to be healed. I want what God can do for me physically. But then there's a crowd surrounding because they all come for that. And Jesus then, when people ask to follow him, he doesn't say, sure, it's easy. He wants them to follow them, but he is honest with them to a degree about there is a cost. I want you to look at verse 18 with me and read with me from 18 to 22. There's this crowd. It says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. If you notice there, Jesus doesn't say you can't follow, but he also doesn't say, Hey, follow blindly and don't realize that there is a cost to this. Once again, we can't tell everybody up front everything we want to tell them all at one time so often. But are we leaving out the idea that, that, that there is a cost in choosing to follow Jesus? What I think we see here is some of what it will cost us to follow Jesus. Maybe not an exhaustive, exhaustive list, but a few. First, I think we see in this section that it, following Jesus, it costs comfort. It costs comfort. The first man, the scribe who wants to follow Jesus, he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I I don't know if he understood what it really meant to follow. Maybe he thought, hey, I will just go wherever you go physically, and I want to write down what you do, and I just want to see it happen. Because following is more of a commitment to really be and live with Jesus. But he says, I will follow you, teacher, wherever you go. He's amazed at what he's been seeing, the miracles, the demons being cast out, the illnesses being fixed or healed. He says, I, I want to keep following that guy like all of us would. Look at what he's doing. It's amazing. He says, I- I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responds by sharing the reality of his earthly ministry. It was not filled with comfort. Hey, this life is not going to be comfortable for you all the time. Maybe most of the time. You know what Jesus essentially says there in that passage? Is, I don't have a home here. Foxes. I don't think any of us would say a fox lives in a penthouse. But yet they have a den to go back to. Birds. 
All of us probably have a nest of birds somewhere in a tree in our yard or maybe up on a piece of brick in our house. Hey, there's a little nest there. It doesn't look very comfy to you and I, but it's a home for them. Somewhere they can go back and call home and rest their head every night. And Jesus says, I I don't really have that in my ministry's time. We don't know much of where Jesus stayed and all the places he ministered. We don't know much about his home. We would assume maybe he had a home for his family, but when you're a wanted man, you can't really go stay at home anyway. Imagine that's, I would imagine that's where people who want to kill you would go look, is wherever you live. Uh, Let's go find your family. But what we see is that Jesus says animals have a place to lay down and call home, but, but not me. And what Jesus is telling this man is, following me is committing to a life that will lack comfort. Life with Jesus would be one of a traveler, a nomad, always a new bed. You ever gone away from home for a while and all you want more than anything is to go home and lay in your own bed? Everyone who went to church camp and had to lay on a bunk is saying yes. He says, I can't promise you you're going to have a comfy bed. I can't promise you you'll see the same bed over and over again. These aren't five-star Hiltons here. But he says, it's a life of a traveler, a nomad. It's, there wasn't much rest for Jesus in his earthly ministry. He was a go-getter. He had a mission he was pursuing. And as a result, he was often weary. He was never without. Don't get me wrong. Jesus was never without, but he never had a whole lot. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't overflowing with physical blessings. He was poor. He was hated. He was wanted in a, in a negative way. He was pursued often. The life of Jesus and his disciples was uncomfortable. And we haven't even mentioned the last days of his life. If you want the antonym to comfort, think of the cross. The cross is the complete opposite of comfort. The last few days of Jesus' life as he suffers in many different forms, it's not comfortable. And what Jesus tells this man is, hey, you can follow. I'd love for you to follow, but I'm just letting you know it won't be comfortable all the time. We don't know if this man counted the cost and followed. We don't know if he counted the cost and turned away. All we know is Jesus told him, you need to consider it. Before you take this path, you need to consider the cost. Listen, this morning, Jesus, if we follow Jesus, it will cost us comfort. If we follow the real path of Jesus, it will cost us comfort. Instead of a life where we overindulge on whatever we want, instead of a life where it's all about what I receive instead of giving, instead of a life where we pile up more money, things, and toys until we have no more space in our buildings, our garages, or our homes, instead of a life where we think bigger is always better, and instead of a life where we rest and relax all the time, Jesus calls us out of that life, out of a life of comfort, and into a life that is somewhat or much of the time uncomfortable. Many of the commands that God gives to you and I are uncomfortable, aren't they? You know, there are some that aren't. This morning when he says, hey, we should all assemble together as the church, for some that's uncomfortable. It's not for me. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. Maybe it's just from doing it all the years of my life growing up. But there are plenty of commands that are uncomfortable, aren't they? Hey, share your faith. Talk to someone about Jesus. Um, Godly confrontation. There are some conversations you have to have and correct people. Or bring up situations that, man, they make you so nervous before. You're just anxious thinking about, I have to talk to someone about this. I have to say this. Uncomfortable. Like giving up things you might desire to follow Jesus. Following Jesus costs comfort, simply put. 
And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to understand that. But secondly, we see another, that it costs time. Look at verse 22. 21 and 22. After this first response that he gives to that scribe, he then says to another of the disciples, said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Uh, This interaction has been confusing and puzzling to many. You know, what exactly is Jesus saying here? Because when we read verse 22, it sounds to us like this man's father has just died, and it makes us think, he can't even go and bury his own father, Jesus? He, he can't even go bury his own dad? And that, that hits an emotional spot for all of us. You know, a few things to understand, though, is in biblical times, they buried people on the same day that they died. Which would make us wonder, if your father died today, why are you even here? We read nothing before of anyone being healed from the dead or a dead man being raised back to life. So it doesn't seem to be that man. maybe this man's father has actually died. This paragraph does, uh, it would appear, excuse me, that it seems his father might not actually be dead. If you, As I researched some historical things and cultural times, it says when people said they wanted to bury their father, it didn't necessarily mean they were dead already. Instead, what they were really saying was, let me stay with my father until he has died. So he tells Jesus, hey, I want to follow you, but can I stay with my dad until he passes? How long would that be? If he's healthy? Years? A decade? If he's sick, it could be years still. It could be months. And Jesus has this short window of time of earthly ministry that he cannot miss. And this this man by choosing to stay with his father instead of follow Jesus, he could miss out on all of Jesus' ministry by making that decision. And essentially what Jesus is saying is, it's going to cost you time. The disciple of Jesus has to prioritize their time. If Jesus is Lord, if he is king of our life, he determines how we spend our time and who we spend our time with. He determines what we spend our time doing. Will we seek the kingdom of heaven or will we seek something else? Time is one of the few currencies in this world that you can spend and not get back. You can get great value for it, but you cannot get it back. Once you spend it, it's gone. And following Jesus will cost you time. Listen, it will cost you time away from people you love. If you're doing the Lord's work, there will be times where you have to spend time doing the Lord's work instead of being with people you love. Not neglecting your family as your ministry or things like that, but there are times where you're going to miss out if you're working and serving. There are hobbies that you're going to miss out. Time watching football games. Time woodworking or shooting or hunting. There's time fishing. You're going to miss out on your interests, whatever they are, when you're serving the Lord. There's opportunities that come up to do the Lord's work, and you have to make the decision of, do I spend my time with my interest or doing God's work? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time at work today. You have to work. We know that to survive. But then there's this limit where so many seem to pass it, and they have this idea of success where they have to be working nonstop. Are we working all for ourselves on earth or are we working for the Lord too? It will cost us time at work. It will even cost us time at rest. I love naps. Some of you are daydreaming about them now. Some of you are having one right now. I see you. (laughs) Listen, following Jesus will cost you time. 
even time resting and relaxing. And while that might have an important place at some times, following Jesus costs you time. If, if following Jesus doesn't take time from other things, then maybe we're not counting the cost and following closely. I love church services, but church services cannot be the only time where it costs us time to follow Jesus. There's far more to this than that. And so we notice, secondly, it costs time to follow Jesus. I want you to look at the third one, though, too. Following Jesus will cost you control. Not necessarily something specific from this passage, but two men say, I want to follow. And that has some implications logically for you and I. If you are a follower, what are you not? You are not the leader. If you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, you say, Jesus, you now get to have the control of the steering wheel. You get the reins. You get to determine the direction. He's the one who leads us, and we follow him. That means we give up some control in a way. When we choose to follow Jesus, we surrender control of our life. And while control is an illusion because you and I don't have much of it in this life, we do have control over what we do and how we spend our time. And Jesus says, you're going to have to give some of that up for me. How much control do we surrender? 25%, 50 75%, 95% of the time. I'll submit uh, control on Sunday and Wednesday, but I'd like to leave a few days for me. No, it's all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. If we follow Jesus, that means he gets control over our money and what we do with it, over our time and how we spend it, our desires and how we choose to navigate them and which ones we pursue or not. He gets control over our actions and our words, our thoughts. We surrender all. You ever seen the videos of two people fighting over an item on Black Friday? I know it's a sad state of, of just culture and society when you see those, but you know you have these people who are just playing tug-of-war. Maybe let me put it to you this way. You ever played uh, with a chew toy and your dog before? Yeah, you have. I, is that Evan? I love that. No, I don't know who that was. That's great. Um, you know, we have this little rope toy with our dogs, and, and when they will play, sometimes like you give it to them and get them to bite it, and they grab it, but they want you to hold on to it, you know, and you kind of do the back and forth thing. You know, sometimes we say, God, I give you control of my life, and then we hold on a little bit, and we keep trying to pull some of it back. You know, it's that kid who gets told he has to share, and he doesn't want to, so he goes to give the toy to his friend, but he doesn't really let go. Sometimes that's us. God, i got to give you control, but I want some of it still. Listen, there's a cost to following Jesus, and it means he now has control over our life. We submit to his will, and he gets to, to steer the ship of our life. Essentially, what he tells you in this passage is this. This is the main point. Following Jesus costs you, you. It costs you, you. It's what Christian read to us earlier. In Matthew 16, when he told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you choose to follow Jesus, you have to lose. You have to choose to lose. That line in verse 25 where he says, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, that whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That line that we might read as a metaphor, I'm not sure it was one. 
Jesus is looking in the eyes of some people saying, you might have to give up everything to follow me. You might have to die to follow me. Are you willing to? Because if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. You will find something in return much greater. But you have to be willing to risk it all. I think it's literal what he's saying there to many of those people. And many who would be listening to this would suffer ultimately. They would lose everything for Jesus. But what they would gain was far greater. How do we count the cost of following Jesus in a life where we don't know what lies ahead? It doesn't appear that we're going to be persecuted to the point of death. We don't know exactly how or what kind of cost we have to pay in our life yet. So how do we count the costs? Well, I think what you and I have to do is up front, we have to commit to the highest possible cost. When we choose to follow Jesus, you and I have to commit up front to the highest possible cost. That way, nothing will ever surprise us in this life. I'm willing to follow even if it means my physical body, even if it means my life, even if it means I give up all the ideas and desires and wants I had for my life. I'm willing. You and I have to be willing to say this. I'm yours at any cost. I don't know if we think about that often when we come forward to repent and be baptized. I understand A reward sounds great. I understand the fear of hell. I understand the gift of salvation is appealing. And once again, we don't always have the time. Do we think about the idea, though, that it's going to cost us us? It's going to cost me me. It's worth it. But we have to be able to say this. This morning, as you look at that statement, every single one of us individually have to look within our heart, take a moment and say, am I his at any cost? Am I willing to be his at any cost? Because that's what he's asking. Whoever would deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Can we say that? Have we affirmed that in our heart and mind? Listen, this morning, this is a hard message, in a way, what Jesus gives to these two individuals. But it's not too hard when you consider what they got out of it. He's already paid the price. And if you're willing to count the cost and pay it, he purchases you. He's done the hardest part. He's done the hardest part by sacrificing for your sin. Yes, He asks you to do something hard here, but if you're willing to simply give yourself to Him at any cost, He will purchase you. He will cover you with His blood. He will save you from your sin. There you will find comfort. I'm sorry, there you will find Him. If you give it up for Him, He will give you Him. Isn't Jesus worth losing something in this life? You gain salvation. You gain redemption. You... You gain a reward that far outweighs the cost. So what if I lose comfort or time or control or money or a job or interest? I get Jesus. I get God himself. So my question for myself and for you this morning is, is Jesus worth the cost to you? Is he worth it to you? If you haven't counted that cost and you are already following Jesus, you need to count the cost this morning because whether you realize it or not, He's asking you to lose yourself, and it's coming. There are going to be situations coming soon in your life where you have to give something up. Count the cost. This morning it might be that you realize, I followed Jesus so I thought, but I never really knew there was a cost involved. Can we help you recommit your life to Him? This morning you may never have even followed Jesus We would love to help you do that this morning. Listen, if you will put your trust in Him and what He has already done and what He says and who He is, 
and you repent, you decide that I will change my life, I will follow you, I'm willing to give it up, I'm going to struggle, I'm going to fail, but I'm going to continually commit to losing myself for your sake, He can wash you in the waters of baptism, forgive you for all your sin, past, present, and future, and you can find a wonderful reward with Him forever. If you're willing to lose it, lose yourself today. If you need encouragement or prayers or forgiveness for some mistakes or issues along the way as you've followed Jesus, we would love to help you this morning. That's the point. If we can help you in some way right now, we would love to while we stand and while we sing.